All right, guys, we're going to talk broadheads on this episode, a topic we haven't covered a lot here, and I'm really looking forward to it. Here we go. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, your host, and I'm coming at you from the Broken Tines studio right here in Clark Fork, Idaho. And uh, you might you, you might hear a little difference in my voice. I'm dealing with a, with a cold. Uh, it, it is not the Rona, so, um, you know, it just is what it is. And this week, I've got a really cool episode lined up for you because uh, you guys that are listening, I'm not, I'm not like a huge gear junkie. But I feel like we can all learn a little bit, and it's a it's a common question, you know, uh, regarding broadheads um, and in archery hunting. It's it's a, a question I get a lot, and, and my answer is like kind of always the same. It's like, dude, I am not the guy to ask <laughs> when it comes to technical archery equipment and arrows and uh, broadheads and stuff like that. So um, I've got my new friend up in Canada, uh, Lee Hawk, on, and he is with Tooth of the Arrow Broadheads, Lee. Appreciate you coming on, dude. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. So uh, tell us, tell I, I know you just told me before we hit record, but uh, tell everybody where you're at, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. Well, I'm uh, I'm up here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Um, I'm probably one of too many Canadians on the show, um, but yeah, I'm with Tooth of the Arrow Broadheads. I'm right now I'm on the product development side as well as uh, some of the YouTube stuff, and just kind of odds and ends that need to get. I done within the company, but I've been with the company for just over a year now. And the I want to get back to Tooth of the Arrow Broadheads in a minute, but um, I'm, just, I'm I'm super curious. Like winter, what what's it like up there right now? <clears throat> right now it's warm and snow is melting, so it's kind of wet. We've had a pretty weird winter, but typically it's uh, we get pretty long, brutal winters here. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I. Uh, uh, it's been a hell of a winter here, and so I'm just I'm curious how people like in Canada how it fare you know how everybody's faring. I'm actually going through your Instagram here, uh, which by the way guys is oh, yeah. is hawk dot bowhunter, um, h a u c k dot bowhunter, and uh, Lee, it looks like uh, you know you're a pretty legitimate hunter, man. <clears throat> yeah, I've done a bit of hunting, I guess you could say. Do you have um? Tell us a little bit about hunting in Canada. I'm I'm always this is always a curiosity of mine. How does it like work? Do you guys have over the counter tags and you're able to go all the time? Like I I'm not totally sure how it works. I've only got a, a few friends up in Canada. It's very similar to the states in that every state or up here every province uh, runs the hunting show differently. Um, I can't speak for many of the other provinces because I've been in Alberta my whole life, but in Alberta, 
we do pretty good with over-the-counter tags. We have a lot of public land. You can go over-the-counter elk in most areas. You can kill a bull elk every year. We have over-the-counter bighorn sheep, um, two black bear tags, uh, some zones moose, over-the-counter mule deer. We can all shoot three white-tailed deer. Oh, wow. um, the list goes on. Cougar. Yeah, you can do a lot over-the-counter here. Do you have Do you have a spring bear hunt, or is it all fall? Yeah, spring bear hunt. I uh, I actually did a season of guiding spring bear hunt a couple of years ago up in northern Alberta. It looks like you're uh, I'm, I'm like drinking water so my throat doesn't go nuts here, but um, you're you're taking these bears all with your bow. Yeah, I've shot I shot one or one or two bears with a gun. Not uh, not necessarily that I had a choice in those ones, but yeah, I I like bow hunting bears. They're not hard to get close to if you're uh, you just know how to interact with them and you're in the right area. They're a perfect bow hunting animal, in my opinion. Dude, that that skunk on your Instagram is giant. <laughs> like, where did you find that? Yeah, that's well, that's a bit of a, a photo trick. I'm sitting about ten feet behind it. Oh, gotcha. It, it works. A, I, I usually don't fall for those. <laughs> That, yeah, that's no, a good it's one, dude. How many people thought of that? Yeah, man, that's 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 awesome. You shot that with your uh, when you shot that skunk, did it did it spray? No, I couldn't believe it. I shot that skunk, I guess quartering toward or quartering away, I guess you could say, and it went right in a diagonal line through its whole body, and I just laying there dead, and I walked up really careful to it, and I could not believe that it hadn't sprayed. Never did. Interesting. Yeah, I've got I've got a skunk running around my property here. I'm worried he's gonna he's gonna get my puppy, uh, and and make him stink for a while. So I'm I'm like trying to figure out how I'm gonna get him. But I well I, I set a couple of traps and they haven't worked. Um, but I don't know. I might end up just having to sauce him. Let's... Yeah, it's, from my experience with those is that it's very hard to catch him and kill him without him spraying. I've been sprayed. It's not good. No, no, it sucks. I had a dog get sprayed when I was a kid, but uh, with the, with the trap, I heard, and I don't, I don't know. I've never, I've never done this. So, but you like throw a towel over them or something, and and they won't spray. But I, I don't know if anybody listening knows the the secret sauce to trap a skunk without getting sprayed. Um, give me a call or shoot me an email. <laughs> I'd love to hear it too. Yeah, 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 I'll share it. So, what got you into bow hunting, man? <clears throat> uh, well, I kind of grew up hunting around here with my dad he's a rifle hunter um i didn't even really know bow hunting existed until i was like 10 or 11 years old and he took me down to uh to the sheep show in vegas or no it was in reno and i was really young like 11 i think and i uh i met like tom miranda and some of the other tv guys and they're all talking about the super slam and archery super slam and a big rage and that's what got me thinking Wow, I didn't I didn't care that much about hunting when I up till I was like ten, but when I saw this bow hunting stuff, something really clicked with me, and uh, I guess here we are today. So, are you working on the Super Slam? Yeah, I am. Where you at? Where uh, you at with it? I've got nine of twenty nine right now. Sweet man, you're I I think like you're the only you're the second maybe the third person that I've had on the show that is actively working <laughs> towards the Super Slam. Um, the other dude, gosh, that was like two years ago, man. He's, he's a hell of a hunter, but, uh, he's, he's on like 26, but he's got a lot of money. <laughs> so, he's yeah. able, you know, yeah. like that polar bear hunt was pretty freaking pricey. 
Mm-hmm. A lot of them are. The sheep now are yeah, yeah. worth more than ever. Everything's going up. Calling, or I'm sorry, elk elk hunting wise, are you using calls or how how are you going after these elk? Because you got a lot of elk down yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've shot a couple of elk just over herds where you sneak up on them late season and you know you're picking a bull out of a herd of two or three hundred. But my favorite is the calling, which is what. I do every year up in northern Alberta, and I mean, it's a great area. We're getting close encounters just about every day. The tough part is how dense the brush is. You can call a bull in the 15, 20 yards uh, and not even think about taking a shot because it's so thick. Yeah, oh, well, it sounds like North Idaho, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Did, this, this is probably a dumb question, but I like I don't know. Are they, are they rutting pretty much the same time as they are in the States, September? Yeah, September. I mean, some areas in Alberta, season opens August 25th, and you can get them calling, but they're not they're not raging yet. Um, but that kind of, I'd say, eight to twentieth, that's your prime time, roughly. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, pretty much the same here. So, tooth yeah. of the arrow broadheads, man. Let me switch over to this website. Um, Give us like a synopsis of, of Tooth of the Arrow, uh, who the company is, how long it's been around. Um, you know, I, I always hate calling it like an elevator pitch, but uh, give us a bird's eye view of who Tooth of the Arrow is. <clears throat> sure. Well, uh, the company was started by Luke Allison and his dad about five years ago, uh, just kind of a hobby broadhead company. Um, the broadhead was designed by Luke's dad. Um, and basically what they wanted is they wanted – a solid piece broadhead, so just one piece design that wasn't injection molded. So the only other way to do that is mill it out of a solid bar of steel. Um, and they wanted it to, to make the truest flying fixed blade that they could make. And the only way to really do that is extremely high quality machining and a weight centered design. And that's exactly what we have now. So we have a four blade, uh, one piece fixed broadhead where depending on the weight, uh, you go with about 90% of the weight is centered. It's right down the ferrule, right in line with your arrow, and that's what uh, makes them fly so good. So, and I'm just I'm on the website here. Um, 100% made in USA. Let's see. So we source our steel from Chicago. Packaging comes from Missouri, and the machining is done in Minnesota. And uh, and then they got they got you representing Canada or something, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, I that's kind of just by accident. Like I, I was on the pro staff for a couple of years, um, just as Luke wanted some Canadian representation, and uh, and I guess the, the company doesn't have a ton to do with Canada right now. We're in quite a few shops up here, but uh, yeah, it just happened by accident that I guess now half the company is a Canadian. Nice. Uh, and y- this is basically. Because that was my was that you that I initially started talking to on Instagram. Uh, was that you that started DMing me? No, no, that would have been Luke. I don't, uh, I don't do the social media. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Uh, cause I, I'm just curious, like you guys, that was my big question. I, I, my initial impression was these broadheads were like kind of centered around just whitetail hunting. But it, when you jump on the, uh, the website, obviously that's not the case. Yeah, no, I'd say that. This is a perfect platform to talk about these broadheads. You're talking to Western hunters, and I mean myself being an Albertan, that's where I am, and that's why I went to these broadheads 
years before I even worked for them. They are amazing for whitetail, but you see these broadheads being used a lot in the West because the whitetail hunter can, they can shoot pretty well any broadhead they want. They can shoot a mechanical yeah. at 20 yards out of their stand and it's going to work. But these broadheads are, in my experience, for a long range fixed blade that you can be shooting in the wind. Uh, I mean, you can have any shot scenario out here, right? Uh-huh. This is the best. Do you have do you have an opinion on uh, because that's a contentious topic right here in in Idaho is uh, fixed versus mechanicals um, what's what's your take on that I think there's a lot of great mechanical broadheads I've killed a lot of animals with them um, I've had some failures too but um, my big thing when choosing a broadhead is that as much as we like to think we're perfect and we're always making perfect shots, you don't. You hit bones all the time. Animal takes a step, they jump the string. You can hit a shoulder, you can hit any bone so quickly. And I don't trust um, a movable broadhead on bones. And that's really where yeah. where I like the one piece, all fixed blade, less moving parts, less can go wrong. So I want to kind of go through the product line. It looks like we've got an S-series broadhead, and then a V-series broadhead. Uh, v, I'm, I'm yeah. assuming, is a vented broadhead? Yeah, V for vented and S for solid. What's the difference between the two? Because I, 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 I warned you up front, man, I'm not super technical. I don't even know the difference uh, in terms of performance. I know, I know what makes a vented broadhead, um, but I don't really know the difference between the two in terms of performance. Well, we can talk about that for sure. I'll keep it as simple as I can and, and practical. Um, so the B series with the venting, the blades is the original tooth, the arrow. Um, just last year we released the S series. So now every broadhead in weights from a hundred to 175 grains comes in a completely solid form, uh, no venting in the blade. So when I'm hunting, I have both in my quiver and they fly exactly the same. Um, we've tested as much as we can and there's no difference as long as they shoot the same weight, obviously. Um, my idea behind it is your longer shots, uh, less prone to wind planing when you have those venting, that venting the blade, uh, strong cross when there's less surface area to catch the wind, they fly tremendously well at long range with the solid head. They're going to be a little bit quieter in flight. Um, and they are going to penetrate a little bit better. So if I'm on a perfectly calm day or a close shot, I'll pick the solid one out of my quiver any day of the week. If I'm in a long shot, uh, it's windy out, I'll pick the vented one. Gotcha. So you rec- recommend having one of each, huh? That's what I like, yeah. So, and that's the two series, and you can get them in like a one inch or a one and three sixteenth. Um, yep. Give us an idea of... Like what is what is a real differentiator? Does that make sense with with tooth of the arrow products? Because there's a ton of broadheads out there. I, and, and to be honest with you, I don't even remember which broadhead I was I was shooting last year. They're up kind of behind me on the shelf, but I don't, I don't remember what they are. I mean, they were good, but uh, what, give us some differentiators. Why why would somebody that's in the market choose tooth of the arrow broadheads? Make sense? Yeah, for sure. Um, first thing you're looking at is fix. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there who just shoot mechanicals. They love them. They'll never switch. That's okay. Sure. As far as their fixed heads go, there's a lot of fixed blade heads that have replaceable blades. Some guys love that. 
I don't personally, because again, moving parts, blades held onto the ferrule, um, this, yeah. which is like the center post to your broadhead with one screw, one or two screws. I don't like that. Um, so there, we get rid of that. We're one piece solid design. Beyond that, there are other one piece broadheads on the market. Most of them are injection molded, which is basically just pouring hot steel into a mold and then it hardens and they sharpen it and you have your broadhead. Those tend to be a little bit less consistent in terms of weight. They can get air pockets in them and they are not quite as strong. They don't take the heat treating process quite as well as a solid piece of tool steel does. Um, so that's my pitch. So uh, can you talk to me a little bit about four blade versus three blade? Because th- that is something I'm totally ignorant on too. I, I like. I've, I think I've always shot three blade. Yeah, I've shot three blade too. Um, it's a tough one. I really don't know that there's an advantage of one over the other, except that when I've taken our four blade head and I shoot it through scapulas and testing and stuff, I've shot it through like an old stop sign. What you get with the four blade design is it, it doesn't look like a little X it looks like you're punching a square hole and you don't quite get that with the three blades. Uh-huh. And that's why I originally went to the four blade. Cause it's more like you're, you're actually coring a chunk out of the animal rather than slicing three perfect little cuts. Right. Yeah. 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 Is there, are there three yeah, inch, or I'm sorry, are there three blade at tooth of the year or, or is it all four blade? No, we're all four blade. Gotcha. Gotcha. Let me go back to this. Yeah. There's some great videos on YouTube um, of guys testing these heads and, and shooting them through, you know, water jugs and stop signs and stuff. And you can see what the, what the wound channel essentially looked like. Okay. So I, I'm intrigued with that. Um, I have had, I've had a rough few years with, uh, with hitting elk, <laughs> um, well, not hitting him. I hit him. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I had, uh, one a couple of years ago that, uh, I, I hit him and it was a complete pass through and lost him and no idea what happened there. Uh, that was a three blade. That was one of those, like it was a Montec. I want to say, mm-hmm. um, and, and I'm not, I'm not talking smack about anybody. Um, I don't, I, I, I would, if somebody asked me, let me put it this way. I would say it was my fault, not the arrow or the broadheads fault. Right. So I'm not blaming the broadhead. <laughs> Uh, but I, I am I am intrigued to to go into these four blade. It it makes more sense to me. But again, I am I've been it's funny I've been archery hunting man for years over almost two decades, <laughs> and I've never gotten super technical with this stuff. I just go grab broadheads and I grab an arrow, make sure everything's matched up weight wise, and start sending them down range, right? And so, um, yeah. I, I, I'm super intrigued. I might, I might want to step up to this four blade. I, I like that idea, especially for elk. Do you, is there, is there, I guess, a, a take or a perspective you got, you've got on, um, you know, four blade versus three blade when it comes to shooting bear versus elk versus deer, anything along those lines? No, I shoot the same thing always at everything. Um, I've played around with that kind of stuff, but I'm kind of of the mindset where when you find something that works, don't mess with it, don't touch it. Yeah, yeah, I'm the I'm that way too. That's why I'm so primitive with my uh, with my arrow setup. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like I, I always like to tell guys, you if you you can shoot a field point at an animal, and if you hit them in the lungs, they're gonna die. Um, mm-hmm. 
so what what it comes down to is finding the most accurate broadhead you can um and that is the bigger reason i favor our design even more than the four blade thing is really the weight centeredness of the of the designs just is that's why a mechanical fly so good right the entire weight is in line with the arrow shaft and sure so try to do that with the fixed blade and that makes sense i i mean uh, again I, i've actually never shot a mechanical ever um and just they're not allowed here in idaho uh so oh, really yeah yeah there you know no no mechanicals here and no lighted knocks uh that's the two those are the two issues that are like every year it's this big contentious debate here in idaho uh whether or not the commission's going to allow them or change the rule or, or whatever so anyway it sounds like i don't know i don't want to go down that rabbit hole um can you speak to uh again a lot of this is for my sake because it's not something i've I've paid a lot of attention to but can you speak to like maintenance taking care of your broadheads sharpening you know uses uh and kind of walk us through that yeah i mean first thing as with anything on your bow keep it dry Uh, like if i go hunting in the rain i would just put my bow in the front seat of my truck and blow air on it until it's dry and i'll do the same with the heads just dry them off quickly when you're done hunting or, and they won't rust or anything um in terms of maintenance <clears throat> we sell a sharpener that uh, is set to our the blade angle so you just put a little bit of oil or even water on the sharpener it's basically just two angled flat stones and you can sharpen these heads up over and over and over um there's oh, really yeah. not that much to it yeah. other I, see, than that. I see the sharpener that thing's sweet yeah, those are those are quite a hot seller these days. Standard sharpener works with both one inch, one to three inch, two to the arrow broadheads. Um, could somebody yeah. use that that sharpener on like different broadheads over than other than two to the arrow, or is it super specific? Uh, it would. I mean, it would have to be a four blade. I, I could see it working with some other designs, but they're yeah. really made for our heads. I mean, obviously, I'm not I'm not advocating for other broadheads. I'm just I'm curious because there's like sharpeners are a pain in the ass. I mean, I'm, I'll just say like they, yeah. they, they usually don't work very good for me, and so curious on on how that yeah how that rolls out. How long? No, they're really good. I mean, <clears throat> sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say like they work really good if you put like I say you put some gun oil on them. It's a really fine stone. They're, we've built the most foolproof sharpener that we can build, we think, right? And um, some guys don't like that. They want your replaceable blades to each their own. But, uh, again, to get that one-piece system with uh, the ability to resharpen and use it, that's worth its weight in gold. Gotcha. We have, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm back on your Instagram now. Let's take a quick break to give our show sponsors some well-deserved love. Let's start with Scree Extreme Mountain Gear. High-performance hunting attire and gear, scientifically tested camo patterns, complete layering systems, and in my opinion, the finest merino wool products to keep you warm, dry, and comfortable. It's all backed by a great company. Some of my personal favorites of the in the Scree lineup are the hard scrabble pants uh, for early to mid-season. And then as it gets colder, I switch to the Kodiak pants for late season. The Bridger glassing mitts are like game changers, and I love the Nebo rain gear. Scree offers great packages on the website as bundles, like the elk bundle, that will completely outfit you for your favorite hunt. Oh, and my favorite part? 
you won't need to refinance your house to get outfitted. Try the starter bundle for less than 500 bucks. It's an insane deal. With the VIP sizing guarantee, you can exchange something that doesn't fit for free. I just had to do this for something that I got my wife. It was a little big, so I just sent it back. They covered the shipping both ways and exchanged it for the right size. So go to Screegear.com and at checkout, use promo code the Western Huntsman for 15% off and free shipping. Phelps Game Calls, one thing that I love about companies that are born out of hunting is their story. Like Phelps Game Calls, the American success story that walks us through how something started small and grew into something big. Like Phelps, he started this company kind of as a hobby in his garage in 2009. Now, a little over a decade later, Phelps is one of the premier hunting call companies on the planet for good reason. They're the most realistic calls on the market, and that is saying something. Check out the amp lineup. For predator calls like the three-pack POR, one, two, three, or the fawn in distress, check those out. Turkey calls, get a diaphragm, a pot call, or a box call, and a complete line of waterfowl calls. Hit up the website, and at checkout, use promo code HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off. Phelps Game Calls, get them close. The Elk Collective. The best investment for hunting success is what's between your ears. Having elk hunting knowledge is what separates those who succeed every once in a while against those who notch tags every year. There's a very fine line there, and there's a perfect amount of time for listening to this now to get through the entire course before September. Improve your chances with a virtual course of over 140 videos that cover things like how to get elk tags throughout the West, scouting and e-scouting, beginner to advanced elk calling, gear, fitness, nutrition, shooting processes, hunting scenarios, strategies, and tons more. They've got some very big names on this platform that give you their personal expertise as you go through the course. It's the best way to make you the best elk hunter as you get into the woods. So go to theelkcollective.com and use promo code THEWESTERNHUNTSMAN for $20 off. It's normally 89 bucks, so when you use my promo code, it's going to be the best $69 you've spent on elk hunting, and I guarantee you it's worth every penny. Check it out, guys. Hoffman Boots, let me give you guys a piece of advice from a dude with many miles on his feet. Never skimp on quality hunting boots. Hoffman Boots is a fourth-generation, family-owned company based in North Idaho. I've been sporting a pair of Hoffmans for close to a decade, particularly I like the Hoffman Explorer in the 8-inch. In my most humble opinion, again, Hoffman offers the most comfortable hunting boot that does the least amount of damage to my feet after several miles on the mountain. Very little break-in period on these boots, by the way. Uh, I took them right out of the box and went on a crazy elk hunt, not even a blister. For hunting, they have the Explorers in the Summit boot, offered in insulated and non-insulated. And ladies, check out the new women's Hoffman Explorer 400. They also carry lineman boots, winter pack boots, logging boots, and hiking boots. Get totally outfitted at HoffmanBoots.com and at checkout. As you know, it's coming. Use promo code, all caps lock, HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off. Last but not least, Tacticam. If you're interested in self-filming your hunts, whether for you know memories or making hunting content, check out the Tacticam products like the Spotter LR, Tacticam 5.0, 
and the Film Through Scope system, all of which are available at thewesternhuntsman.com, which helps support our fight against the anti-hunting movement. But my favorite is the Tacticam Reveal cell cams. I use these cell cams all over my property, and I'm like obsessed with monitoring the wildlife in real time with these cameras. They not only text me instantly when a buck or a bear is cruising through, my reveals make for excellent security systems. I know when the FedEx dude is delivering packages way down at the bottom of our driveway. And I also know if some knucklehead shows up to try to steal them. I know when someone's trespassing or if I have the kind of wildlife roaming around that I don't want, you know, like a coyote. And uh, I quickly react with my cat-like reflexes. Great for trappers, great for hunters, uh, security, anything. Guys, check it out at Tacticam.com because I don't have the reveals on my website right now. Uh, Let them know I sent you. Tacticam.com. Let's get back to the show. Here we go. I want, I like, I like getting dudes like you on because um, I, I like to get everybody's different kind of perspective. And, and we can come back to the, the broadheads here in just a minute. But um, walk us through a little bit. You've got, and and just so the audience knows, when I when I jump on the Instagram, you've got uh, bighorn sheep. There's some mountain goats on here, just one. Tons of whitetails. Uh, a few bears. I don't know what the hell this thing is. Hang on. Let me pull this back. What is this crazy sucker? Greedo's Ibex in Spain? Oh, yeah. What is that? <clears throat> yeah, that was great. That thing's badass. Um, yeah, well, there's four Ibex species in Spain. Uh, much like we have the Grand Slam of sheep here, they have the Grand Slam of Ibex in Spain. So um, beautiful, beautiful country to hunt in. You're staying in great hotels, hundreds of year old hotels in these little villages, eating good food, drinking good wine. And you're going out and hunting during the days. That's an excellent hunt for uh, if anyone's looking to ever go international bow hunting. Spain's the first place I would look. What's that like? Is it the the tag process and because um, I know Europe can be a little tricky. It's not a challenge. Each outfitter has a certain number of tags to sell to international, basically. So as long as you book it, you know, some time in advance, or you can get a last-minute cancellation hunt for a good price. Uh, it's not a not a challenge at all. Getting nice. it back is a bit of a challenge. Yes, get, getting the uh, getting the animal back is that what you're saying? Yeah, you you in Spain, you have to leave them in the country for six months before you can bring them back. So that's a pain in the butt because you got to get it. What is the point of that? Skull bones and everything. <clears throat> I don't know. Some government rule. I've never dove too deep into it because it frustrates me but huh just accept it huh interesting yeah i was just i guess what i was getting at is i was trying to highlight to the audience um you've done pretty well for yourself hunt wise and i always like to get perspective from you guys for some of the new hunters out there that are listening right um because everybody's got a little different take on how to get into it and get get uh, especially for um, archery hunting. So if you're if you're talking to your, I, I think you said like ten year old self when you started hunting, didn't know you know anything about bow hunting. Um, what are you telling that kid to to kind of set him up for for some of the you know best success or, or a, a, a fruitful hunting career? Makes sense. Yeah, totally. I know exactly what I would say. I would say. Um, take full advantage of the province or, or state that you live in, learn every corner of it and hunt every tag that you can in your province. That's something I have started doing more in recent years that I wish I did more uh, as a kid. Cause I mean, I've 
I've never shot a moose with my bow in Alberta, for example, and uh, I feel like it's about time. So that's just one example. Can I ask you something on that? Is is yeah. that a – there's going to be some Canadian listeners that are going to be, like, rolling their eyes, I'm sure. Moose in Alberta, is that, like, a once-in-a-lifetime kind of hunt, or is that you, – you guys no. can get tags a lot, or, or like, almost yeah. yearly, right? You can get in some, it depends on the area. In some areas, you can get a general archery tag every year. Um, most of the zones are draw. I can't say if everyone, but I know most of them are draw for rifle. But if you're a bow hunter, you can, you can definitely kill a moose every year if you, if you know what you're doing. Okay. So, uh, that's a huge plus, man. I, I, I wish we had more moose down here to make that a reality, but, um, see in Idaho, that's a once in a lifetime hunt. Um, you can shoot one cow moose and one bull moose. And really? frankly, the moose population has been uh, a little dismal down here the last few years, so I haven't even been putting in. It's a, it's just a random draw. It's not like a point system. So, um, That's a shame. Yeah, yeah, but uh, it'll. I, I'm hoping it'll rebound. It depends on if we can get these wolves under control, but uh, apparently there's a tick issue going on too. But so, again, bear with me, man. I'm trying to... <coughs> trying not to cough with this cold it's not super no, easy okay. doing a podcast when you're sick <clears throat> okay i can imagine um running the basically when you're when you're talking to a new hunter so your your recommendation is is to hunt every tag you can get a hold of every square inch of your state or province um and what about specific to archery hunting is there is there anything like insight that you have yeah. for for new archery hunters um, yes, uh, I would say if you're in a state with mule deer, do as much of that as you can, because I've done, I've done some mountain hunting too, sheep and goats. And if you're chasing mule deer in the open country, that is tremendous training for some of that mountain stuff. Uh, it's, that mule deer open country hunting sharpens your stalking skills more than anything. Yeah. Uh, in my experience. I, no, I would totally agree with that, man. There, I, I think people people that have never done high country mule deer hunting with a bow don't understand uh, what it is. <laughs> it's actually one of my favorite yeah. hunts. Um, it, it's an amazing hunt, in fact. And, and actually, uh, yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not super biased. I'll, I'll chase them in the high country with a rifle too. But and that's a challenge in itself. It's just a, it's a different kind of challenge mm-hmm. when you're when you're going after them with a bow. Um, all my buddies are always like, you know, oh, big whitetails are so much smarter than a big mule deer, blah, blah, blah. And, man, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. When they're younger, yeah, I think a whitetail's smarter. But those high country, old, mature, muley, muley bucks, dude, they're like, they're ghosts, man. They're And they're, they're such a riot to hunt. So, yeah, I like that advice, dude. I would totally, yeah, I, w- I would agree with you on that. I don't think a whitetail is smarter than a mule deer i think a mule deer is in the open country is more vulnerable than a whitetail i think that's why people might have that perception but when you get into that last 80 yards on a mule deer you'll see exactly how smart they are yeah i think i think the perception a lot of the times too it comes from if if you're if you're hunting whitetail and you you spot a little buck a little two-point buck whitetail that thing's gonna take a quick look at you and boogie right a little two-point yeah. mule deer is kind of going to stand there and and verify 
what you are. It's it's gonna it's curious. It's like what what are you? I'm just gonna stand here broadside at 30 yards and see what you do. <laughs> and and yeah. so it's like yeah, that that first year and a half to three and a half years or so. I I think that there's something to the instincts of a whitetail. Uh, not that they're smarter. They're just a little bit more skittish. And but then <laughs> then you get that wisdom in an old muley, and and it's like it's just something else, man. It's something else. I, I love it. I, and we don't have a lot of that here where, where I'm at. I have to go down south a little bit for that. But um, we've got them. We've got a few of them running around. You got, you guys have pretty uh, a pretty good combo of, of whitetail and muleys where you're at? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got a lot of both. Uh, some of the biggest mule deer ever, I think, have, that have been taken with bow have been shot in Alberta. There was one by uh, one velvet buck. You guys could look up on Instagram, Rye Johnson. I think his name is Clay Creek Hunting. He killed and just absolutely, I think it was in the 240s. Really? Is, let me ask you this. When when you're going like mule deer versus whitetail in Alberta, are the muleys up high and the whitetails down low or is it a mix or is it like Arizona where the muleys are down low and the whitetails are up high? Uh. We get a bit of both um, out in your mountain zones. Cause like, for those who don't know, Alberta is very much, I guess you could say like Colorado in a sense where half of it is prairie and half of it is bush and mountain. Uh-huh. Um, so on the prairie side in Eastern Southern Alberta, they're all in the coolies. Um, there's a lot of prairie mule there, but you see a ton of them in the coolies, which I love. And of course you're in Idaho, you know what that's like. Yeah. Um, and then you also, in the mountains, you do get the mountain mule deer. Whitetails, they don't go up high in the mountains. In my experience, they're very much a, a prairie and low bush animal here. More of that agricultural kind of deer. Yeah. 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 And now that being said, I haven't hunted them in the mountains, so I, I don't know about that. Well, they're, uh, yeah, I, and that's similar to here. The, <laughs> the majority of your whitetails are going to be a little bit, they're going to be down lower. However... Um, we do get some huge whitetail mountain bucks. Um, and I've got a, I've got a buddy that's been on the show a couple of times and he's, he's just like a serial killer of these, these big public land whitetail bucks. His name is Troy. And uh, in fact, he's about due to come back on. Uh, and, and that's his thing, man. He, he goes up where I'm mule deer, deer hunting. Well, I, I shouldn't say that cause I, I actually don't know where he's hunting, but I'm, I have suspicions as to where he's hunting. That's right, Troy. I'm on to you, brother. But <laughs> the uh, but I I'm suspicious of, as to where he's hunting, and I'm going after mule deer in that country, and he's up there uh, taking these monster whitetails, and and he just like stalks them all year until hunting season. Um, yeah, he's just a he does a like this uh, whitetail mountain public land mountain whitetail boot camp thing, uh, and it's pretty good. So. Gosh, man, I'm like tripping over my words. I, I I don't know if it's the cold or what, but I'm like, nah. <laughs> no, <it's okay. laughs> I need like a shot of whiskey no, to okay. make me feel a little better. What you know, I, I do find it really interesting what you talk about, though, because that is a little bit different than how the whitetail hunting is in Alberta, and that's one thing that fascinates me about the species is that they're everywhere. But in Alberta and whitetail, or a uh, whitetail in Alberta is not the same whitetail as you find in Texas or in Oklahoma or anywhere. And that's just really fascinating to me. Dude, they're, they're huge in Alberta. You guys get some big ass deer out there. Body wise. Yeah. They're pretty stocky, especially in the rut. You need to, you need to send some of those down to North Idaho, man. (laughs) 
<clears throat> our whitetails are, I mean, they're big, but they're not, they're not Alberta big. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, the, I, I lived in North Carolina when I was in the service. And I remember when I first saw the whitetails running around on, in coastal North Carolina, I thought they were like golden retrievers because they were just, you know, small. <laughs> And uh, so it, it, that isn't that's always been something that's interested me is that the different body sizes of whitetail from you know you're, you're talking about like the uh, southeast in, in the in the states versus uh, Alberta uh, BC uh, versus like Rocky Mountain kind of mm-hmm. whitetail they all have different sizes and they like their the way their faces <laughs> are shaped and I was I was having a conversation with. Yeah. Uh, uh, a fellow Canadian of yours, uh, Dr. Valerius Geist, and he and he talks about the differences and why. Uh, and I'm not smart enough to remember and retain all the information he he talks about, but it's it, there is a lot of interesting um, twists that happen to like how the the maturity of a whitetail progresses in uh, Alberta versus like Texas, where they it, it, they the body size is never going to compare to like an Alberta whitetail. But they can they could supplement what the whitetail bucks are eating to get the the antlers uh, a lot bigger, right? And so anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, interesting stuff, man. I'm no scientist, but it's it, it is definitely interesting. It is interesting, and you know, and there's some anomalies to that rule too. Like, for example, we have a lot of elk in Alberta, but we don't have any of like the monster bulls that you see in uh, in like Arizona and New Mexico. So that's one that sure. kind of works in reverse. Um, Coos deer, subspecies of the whitetail in Arizona, Mexico. I've hunted them, and they are just so tiny. It's unbelievable. I oh, shot yeah. one and l- literally pick it up and throw it on your back and walk it back to camp. It's just crazy how small they are. Yeah, that's that's basically how the the North Carolina whitetail are. They're they're super similar. I'm <laughs> talking about coastal. They're similar in size to a to a coos deer for sure. Yeah. Really. Yep. Yep. It's. Uh, but you go you go inland you go inland a little bit like towards the Smoky Mountains and they're like and I don't know if it's still like this or I'm I'm assuming it is this was like 20 years ago but the they're almost double the size in the Smokies and so if you're if you're a listener back east in like North Carolina and and have a take on that shoot me an email um, I'd be curious to hear it but that's that's what I noticed um, when you are do you, well are you baiting bears. Spot and stock, or in like, some areas. In some areas, you guys can in bait. Some areas there? you can bait in Alberta. Yeah, in some zones. Do you have any pushback up in Alberta, like anti-hunting kind of organizations giving you a bunch of shit for uh, hunting bear? Oh, of course. Bears are one of the most targeted animals by the anti-hunters because most people don't look at a bear as an animal that you can eat, which is entirely wrong. Um, yeah. That's their first argument: is why would you shoot a bear? You're not going to eat a bear. Um, but that's just entirely wrong. And I don't know if the statistic is still true, but I know a few years ago it was. The black bear is the second most populous big game animal in North America after the white tailed deer. There is tons of them. You just don't see them. But anyone who lives in like cabin country, British Columbia, they you see them all the time when you're driving. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's a, it's a crazy argument. And the grizzly bear one, yeah, don't even get me started on that one. <laughs> oh, I'll get you started. What about grizzly bears? <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a lot of them. Um, BC has a lot of them, and yep. Alberta shut down grizzly bear hunting. Well, it's over a decade ago. I don't even know when that was. Oh, that's right. BC just yeah. shut it down a few years ago, and it's absurd. Um, you know, I heard there was one study that was conducted in southern BC 
they they were in the bush and they estimated that there were six different grizzly bears in this one area. I don't know how big it was. And so they put up uh, <clears throat> some bait and they put up a scratching post with barbed wire. And then they went in and took all the hair off the post and, you know, checked the DNA. And they found where they had estimated there were six grizzlies, there was over 60 in really? one area. And I think that uh, there's just a lot of misconception about how many grizzly bears there really are and what kind of problem they actually are. So if you can't if you can't get a bear or a grizzly in in Canada, um, how are you gonna do that? Are, are you gonna like shoot a, a grizz over like in Alaska or something for the? Or have you already shot one? No, I've hunted them. I hunted them in Alaska unsuccessfully. You can hunt them in Canada in the Yukon in Northwest Territories. Oh, I think gotcha, there's that's right. I'm just I'm but, worried about your super slam. Is why can. I say that. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'll I'll probably do it in uh, in the Yukon when I go do that again. Nice. Uh, I think, and this is just I I had a guest on last year. Um, when you're when you're uh, this grizzly bear topic to me is something I, I want to dive more into in some some future episodes in regards to how they are responsive and and uh, behaviorally. Uh, in areas where you can hunt them versus areas that you can't because I had, like I said, I had this guest on. She owns uh, Beatum 907, um, which, guys, listening, again, i got to give her a plug. Beatum907.com, jump on there and get your uh, your bear sense because uh, spring bear is just around the corner. Promo code HUNTSMAN10. Man, I could throw in a good ad every once in a while, can't I? Sounds <laughs> good. <laughs> um. But she was talking about, like, per capita, they have, you know, a lot more grizzly bears in Alaska than we do in, like, the, you know, the the, the Yellowstone Range kind of area. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot more attacks in the lower 48 than there are up in Alaska. And, and she thinks it's because there's a a hunt for them and so the bears have wised up to avoid humans a lot more where here in the in the lower 48 they've got nothing that actually you know there there's no predator that chases a grizzly bear around right so they've they've really got nothing to worry about which could speak to why there's a lot more attacks uh fatal or non-fatal yeah i i think i'd agree with that as well as population density too yeah i think yeah. there's probably per per grizzly bear there's more people in lower 48 of course right oh um, for sure but yeah i mean a grizzly bear is a, a pretty volatile animal from my experience i haven't come across a lot of them um <clears throat> my buddies and whatnot who have you know going into set in a black bear bait you you can, you can come in on a grizzly bear my experience is that usually um they wind you they're gone just like anything else but they're a bit more volatile because they're just they don't care about you they're not afraid yeah, I mean, what? Why would they be afraid? You know, there's like nothing kills them. They, in their mind, they are the top of the food chain, and yeah. um, that's I, I don't know. That's a long way of of me, you know, trying to figure out how to approach the issue of of these grizzlies being listed uh, down in the in the Yellowstone region. You know, and, well, I mean, the lower 48 in general. Um, are they, are they listed as endangered? Is that why they stopped hunting in BC or is it just uh, something kind of like, you know, a California move where they just want to ban hunting? I would go, I, like, I'm not an expert on the topic, but I would go with the, the second. 
it's much more political than it is biological. Yeah, I, I know so. that there's a, there's a lot of uh, debate again around the numbers and that the numbers that are reported are not accurate whatsoever. And I am on that team. I don't believe that there's a, I believe there's a lot more than they say there are, uh, but I think it's, way way more political than it is for any real biological reason gotcha yeah i i would agree with that i i think that's exactly <laughs> what it is it's the same you know in the lower 48s we lower 48 states we we have surpassed the minimum requirements of being on the esa yet they are still listed you know and then when idaho took over management this was years ago this was uh three four years ago and the state of idaho offered one grizzly tag and it went straight to a court battle where some judge relisted the grizzly bear. And so it's just – anyway, it's a mess. They they need to figure it out because – and I know this isn't what we're supposed to be talking about, but I, I do get – I get fired up about the grizzly bear situation. It's just like the wolf situation where we're trying to do this emotional wildlife management through you know fantasy land instead of what's actually happening in reality and on the ground. And so – uh, I think that's something that's going to be a, a hot topic coming up in the next couple of years for sure with, with grizzly bears. Oh, yeah, and the wolf one, too. That's big in Alberta. We have a lot of wolves here. We have a lot of people who love killing wolves, and we have also a lot of people who um, have never seen a wolf, and they're more against it than you'd believe. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess I'm going to give a quick plug to my good friend up in northern Alberta, Kyler Nelson. Uh-huh. Check out his Instagram. His name is spelled uh, K N. E-L-S-E-N, that's his last name. Check him out on Instagram. That dude is a wolf slayer. You won't believe the really? stuff you see on his page. Yeah. Is he trapping or is he hunting them? He does both. He does actually he? guides, uh, he outfits wolf hunt too. Ah, nice, man. Yeah, that, I'll, ch- I'll check that out for sure. Um, uh, Yeah, that'd be somebody I'd, I'd, shoot, I'd get him on the show. Has he used any tooth of the oh, arrow he broadheads on a wolf? Story. I don't know. I, I talked to him about wolf bow hunting a few, a couple of years back, and he said we were going to actually give it a shot, and it just kind of fell through. But he said it's going to be a challenge, and you're going to have some cold, long days sitting up high in a tree stand. But uh, yeah, be, he'd be a really interesting guy to talk to. It's totally doable, I think. But um, I've I've flung some arrows at some coyotes in the past, and man, those suckers are hard to hit, dude. It's but it's fun yeah, trying. They are. It's, it's it is definitely fun trying. Um, so, well, let's get back and kind of round out this, this discussion with tooth of the arrow. Um, like I said, I don't think I've, I've never had a, just an episode on broadheads before. And, and again, I'm, you know, I'm not a super technical guy. So, um, I like the idea of this four blade, you know, American made obviously is important to me. Um, and I'm sure it is for you guys too in Canada where it's, it's not like, you know, something that's made overseas. It's right here in North America and it's, you know, it's just a, it's what I like about what intrigued me about this because I do get approached by a lot of companies to, to come on the show and talk about the products and whatnot. Um, but I like companies that are, it is like a person or, or some, somebody that had a dream of and, and a vision of like a problem to solve and they took that and put it into action and created a company out of it and and you know like phelps game calls or hoffman boots or you know those kind of companies that that they they come up with an idea they want to solve a problem they want to they want to create solutions and they want to do something better than maybe things have been done and and shake the industry up a little bit how would you say tooth of the arrow 
holds up to that that uh, premise? Oh, I I would say they entirely hold up to that premise. And I mean, uh, of course, things can be produced a lot cheaper overseas. Uh-huh. Um, that's just so important to the company that it's all made in America. Um, and beyond that, we don't try to get overly technical with the design. We're not trying to, you know, have the have the next coolest, prettiest, uh, most niche broadhead out there. We're sticking to a very true traditional. Um, from an engineering standpoint, perfect design. Uh, and that's, that's what I really love about the company is it's simple, it's proven, it works and we don't mess with it. I will give you that. It is. I, I love the fact that, you know, you pick your size, but then you basically, you only have two options. You have vented or non vented. And for, for somebody like me who doesn't, like when somebody somebody will ask me, well, you know, what do you recommend for FOC on your bow, dude? I don't even know what that means, man. I, I don't even know what that means. I draw my bow back and I can hit a target with it, and that translates to being able to kill animals. Like I, that's all I know. Um, so so yeah. I don't. When it comes to like shopping broadheads and stuff, I jump on here and I I love I like your idea of getting one of each and and having a couple of each in the quiver. Um, I I think I think you're right. Uh, nice closer clean shot kind of thing. I'd, I'd throw that non vented one. Um, or what is that? The S series. Yeah. S series. Further away, you know, throw that vented one on there and, um, yeah, you know, I think that's a good concept and a good kind of, you know, repertoire or, or I, I, tools to have in your toolbox. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, no, I'd agree with you. Well, cool, man. Um, anything else about the company or the products that you want folks to know before we uh, wrap this up? No, like I say, just, uh, definitely check us out. Um, everything's, uh, everything we do is done with, with good reason and good intention in mind. There's no gimmicks with our company at all. Um, we just want the best for hunters and the best for, uh, America and Canada. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's tooth and arrow. Yeah, man. I like it. I dig it, man. Um, so, folks listening, you can jump on toothoftheyearbroadheads.com, and I will have that in the show notes. Uh, if you guys want to jump on there and check out, uh, uh, check the, the the products out. I'm reading as I'm trying to talk here. That's never a good idea. Uh, basically, for for about fifty bucks, you get a three pack uh, of of each option. And I don't know if that's the same for the one inch. I should check that, huh? I'm looking at the yeah yeah everything's a three pack yeah uh, so those are those are about five bucks less for the one inch and or you can bump up to the the inch and three sixteenths and those ones are about fifty bucks each for a three pack it's not uh, it's not a terrible deal so uh, jump on there and check it out uh, Lee I appreciate you coming on man um, I'm looking forward to following you uh, as you kind of inch your way closer through this super slam. Um, it's such a challenge, and and it, but it's I I love the the long term goal of it. I mean, this is not something you knock out in a couple of years, right? No, no. I think I'll be I'll be probably almost retired by the time I'm done. <laughs> but, uh, it's a lifelong goal. Yeah, yeah, and and I know there's uh, yeah, it's just a it's a cool thing for uh, you know for me I, I I don't want to do that just because. It's not my thing. I, I want to focus more on shooting elk and deer, but it, it is an amazing accomplishment. And 
for what I've noticed about the people that I've talked that are pursuing the Super Slam is they're very dedicated and very disciplined hunters. And and it is a it is a life, it's a mission. You know, it's not just like a goal that like like people set at the beginning of the year to lose 10 pounds by summer kind of thing. This is a long-term uh, goal that requires tons of discipline. And uh, yeah, cool man. I'm 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 really happy for you that that you're pursuing that, and I, I can't wait to kind of watch it unfold. Up, but uh, I, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a great chat, and we can do it again sometime. Yeah, for sure. You made it all the way to the end. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. We sure appreciate your support. This is Jim Huntsman signing off and reminding you to check us out at Instagram at The Western Huntsman and on Facebook at The Western Huntsman. And you can also check out the website at thewesternhuntsman.com. Thanks again. We'll see you guys next time. Stay Western, and I'll see you on the mountain.